Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome back to Marjorie Martinis. I'm Adam and here's Danielle. Hello. 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 I wanted to, before the uh, end of the year, which is quickly approaching. So check, fast. It's so fast. I can't believe like, uh, it, we're, I'm getting ready for New Year's now. Yeah. You know, it's insane. I know. Christmas, New Year's, Hanukkah. Well, that's why I sort of, end wanted, of the year. Why I sort of wanted to do this episode was I like to check in from time to time with a lot of the guests that we've had, and we're going to actually be checking in with some others. We have we're going to be talking to Jody this week, Jody Utter. That's exciting. Yeah, uh, talking a little bit more about her story with infidelity and where she's at now with it all. Um, we just spoke to life coach Amy, and with Leah, I feel like it's always good to check in because we always have so many questions that are so relatable about sex and sex after marriage and sex after kids. Um, that so many of us are dealing with, it's always good to just, the more we talk about it, basically, the more we can open communication and the more of us are going to feel more comfortable talking about it. Yeah, and speaking of that, also, I don't want any, I love talking to Leah, and she and I got along real well. I think we were conversing pretty good with our what we both had in mind, and we were kind of thinking on the same level in certain areas, which I love. So I don't want guys to think this is like, a woman for women kind of thing and we should be scared and don't listen to this because she's on the side of women and got to tell guys what to, it's nothing like that. Yeah. She, she, Leah is there to help us all. Like, mm -hmm. like let's just all get along. Yeah. <laughs> That's what she's there to do. And she, she's got some good stuff going on and she gave me some good advice. She gave you some good advice and it was a fun conversation. Uh, yeah, I always love talking to her. And if you're interested in hearing her story of how she sort of had this sexual awakening at age 42, which is happens to be the age I just turned. Shh, don't tell anybody. Then you can go back and listen to our, we had an episode with her in April where she talks all about it. It's really interesting. But um, she wants to talk this this time she talks a lot about just being 5% braver. That we, we think about... Uh, sex and asking for our desires and everything is something that is so scary, but we can do it slowly and we can do it in increments by being 5% braver. And she talks a little bit about how now she's offering this group coaching um, that's like affordable and an awesome tool if you're just looking to like even open the doors and feel more comfortable just going forward and like opening up some of these options for more 
fun All right, let Leah explain it, not you. in your life. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, but I just think it's a great resource. And I loved this conversation. I think it's fun. We always have fun talking to her. It's not so serious. Sex should be fun. Sometimes we make it feel too seriously uh, serious and we need to sort of, I don't know, calm down with it all and just like have a good time. We do. <laughs> we do. <laughs> what are you laughing Why at? Why are you so red? I'm not red. <laughs> You're like blushing. I, I thought you were going to bring up last night. No, 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 no. Okay, I good. wasn't going to do that. Okay, good. That's private. We, we, have, we need some privacy, oh, too. Oh, we do. I'm we? sure by next week you'll be talking about it all on the episode. Damn right I will. You will. <laughs> so right, here's Leah and enjoy. Enjoy. So we uh, we haven't spoken since June. I mean, we've spoken, but we have not done a, an episode since June with you. So wow. due time, especially... I know people are making a lot of goals for the end of the year and I don't think people like, it's not the type of thing where you come out with your new year's resolution being like, I want more sex with my spouse, you know, to people that's, <laughs> you're usually like, I want to eat healthier. Right. Or, but I think that that is a top priority always for people. It's just, it's hard to put it into action. Mm. I think that people often don't think that they're allowed to make sex a top priority. It's like this thing that's just supposed to happen naturally without them having to think about it too much. And that's not really how it works, but because we don't have any other framework for it, we're like, well, if I'm just not making it happen, then clearly I'm the problem. Um, so I kind of love the idea of including some sexual goals in your new year's planning, if that's of interest to you. Yeah, I think it's a perfect time to do it because it does sort of feel like you're starting fresh and it's, uh, you can sort of like logically incorporate it into everything else. All right. This is one of the things It's going to be one of my top things that I want to try to do differently now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so earlier you put up um, some questions on Instagram stories about the issues that people are dealing with. And, and you sent me some of those answers and it just came up time and time and time again in the stuff that you sent me. People are dealing with a lack of time and energy for sex. Like that seems to be their their biggest issue. I don't have the time because I'm afraid I'm going to fall asleep and my energy is sapped by my job and the kids and all of the things. And um, one of the things that I think is really important is that when you're setting out your priorities, sex should not be at the end of the list. It shouldn't be the thing that you're like, well, if I have time and energy left over, then I'll do that. Sex gets to be one of your main priorities and that doesn't make you selfish or a bad parent or you know, a pervert. That's something that I worried about a lot. Like if I make sex a priority, does that make me a pervert? Uh, it doesn't. It just means that you're allowing this part of your of your body and your brain and your personality to be just as important as all the other things. And if that means that you don't get a load of laundry done, it's okay. Like the world is not going to end. Do you think we just get it in our head where I'm too tired, I don't feel like it, and then it just becomes more of a pattern? What does it oh, yeah. important when you've gone? I always equate it to working out, like an exercise, because once you get out of that groove and once you get into that funk, the thought of exercise just feels like such a chore. 
Yeah. And that's oftentimes I think how sex can feel sometimes too. It feels like this thing that you've been putting on the back burner that you know is lingering and it's going to have to happen soon. And oh no, we've gotten to gone too long and it's been this long. So tonight's probably going to be the night and he's going to be bothering me or she's going to, you know, and it turns into, it goes from being this really awesome, wonderful activity to this you know, like chore, like you said, yeah, like it feels sure. like, like you have to muster up the energy and you just don't feel like it just because you're just content being tired and laying in bed and ready to yeah, Netflix. I mean, yeah, right. Like literally right now, if you gave me two options, I'm sorry, but it's true. And I'm sure you would agree. If you gave me two options, we had Thanksgiving last night and everything. If you said to me, I will take your kids right now and you and Adam can have sex. I will take your kids. I'll get the dogs out. I will light candles for you. Or, I will take your kids and you guys can watch Netflix and just chill together and snuggle and stuff. I would take Netflix in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you agree with that? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> 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 I saying, you know, first of all, I'm still like full from last night. And I, I, I mean, I think I might do the chill and Netflix instead of Netflix and chill. Like, like I want to chill first. for sex first and then, the and then relax okay. and wind down, you know, okay. so you don't have to, anticipate while the watching it's like oh i'm tired and then we're gonna have to really do it <laughs> no, no, I'm saying there are definitely times when i'm like you know ready i i'm all for it but i the thought of just relaxing and doing nothing and not having to move a muscle and well, how's it any different than sex I love your comparison to, um, to exercise though, because I think you're right. Like you get into the groove of it and it's easy to keep it going and you fall out of the groove of it. And it's like this thing that you have to put some time and attention into to get yourself back into that headspace. And the thing that makes sex different than exercising is that there's another person involved. And so you're also wondering and worrying about what's going on in their head. And maybe you're getting a little resentful that they haven't put the moves on you or you're resentful that they are putting the moves on you and you're too tired. And then they're resentful that like all of, you know, it goes both ways. And these little tiny seeds of resentment are starting to um, to boil up. And then over time those grow. And so to the point where, you know, I think about this in terms of new parents, like mom just went through, if we're talking about a heterosexual couple where mom just, you know, carried the baby and she went through childbirth and now her body is like, I'm tired. (laughs) You know, I am feeding a newborn. I'm taking care of a baby. Um, And she's not ready to get back into sex, but dad is. And so those little tiny seeds of resentment begin. And if they don't get handled and they grow over time, it's really easy to see how that turns eventually into a sexless marriage later on, because there's all of this baggage that has grown and developed over time. Um, So the goal as I see it, is to start talking so that you at least know where each other are. You're not saying, you're not thinking, well, I'm too tired, so I'm just going to push him away. You're saying like out loud, 
babe, I am really tired right now. Could, you know, if you are really feeling like you need some action, could you maybe take care of yourself while I lie here in your arms and stroke your chest so that he's still getting the, you know, the physical touch and the sexual release, but your body doesn't have to be the one who's providing it for him. I mean, that's a very stereotypical heterosexual situation. And I know that not every couple falls into that, but, but it's, it's one way that I hear it play out a lot. Okay. Well, let's, let's, while we're on that subject, let's talk a little bit about mismatched libidos, because I think that that is a, a huge issue, especially, and it might switch back and forth, I guess, over time in a relationship that one is, you know, has more than the other, but that is a really big issue. I have statistics here that, um, you know, I put, uh, like I said, up on Instagram and, um, I asked, you know, wh- wh- how, what percent, uh, I said, is you, blah. Are your libidos mismatched at, at this current time in your relationship? And um, it said, I said, if you have kids, would you say your sex life has changed a good deal since they were born? 87% said yes. Wow. Um, who has the higher sex drive currently? 62% said my partner. Um, if you have kids living at home, do you at all feel uncomfortable about having sex while they're in the house? Only 40% said yes. Wow, that's great. Uh, yeah, I'm sure a lot of that is I would prefer my kids to be out of the house. <laughs> yeah, there's not much you can really do. Right. So, I mean, what, yeah, what can you, you do? To. If you're struggling, have you and your partner tried new things to reignite the passion in your relationship? 72% said not enough. Mm. So so a lot of, it seems like a lot of, I, I don't know gender specifically who answered. Was it mostly husbands or wives, women, men? But- it seems like people are thinking that their partners probably have a higher sex drive than they do. And that's a really hard thing because it, if you really don't want to have sex, it can become, you, like you said, the resentment can be there. Mm-hmm. So how do we deal with that? How do we deal with when one partner is really at a point where they just want sex and the other one just isn't feeling it? Yeah. So first of all, I want to start by reimagining what we mean by low libido. Um, So obviously there are some people who have, um, whether it's a chemical issue or they just have a naturally low libido, like all of that is real and it's absolutely normal. Um, And, you know, if you're concerned about your libido, please do go see a doctor. Like there can be things, there there are tests that they can do. With that said, I think that a lot of what we as women call low libido is a need for a different kind of touch. It's not that I don't want my partner to touch me. It's that I don't want my partner to touch me with the expectation that that touch is immediately going to lead to intercourse. Something that I hear so often from the women who I work with is I just want to be able to cuddle with my partner without him assuming that it's going to lead to sex. Sometimes, and somebody said this um, in one of your story responses today, um, sometimes I just want to hug Mm -hmm. without it having to lead to sex. Um, 
And here's something I've been thinking about a lot. And Adam, I'd actually be really interested to hear your feedback on, sure. on this theory that I'm developing. As, as little girls, most of us were brought up with a, a fairly robust experience or language of touch. You know, we got to cuddle with mommy and sit on daddy's lap and all those things. But we also went to sleepovers where we braided each other's hair and we did each other's nails and we played with makeup and all of those things. We learned how to have intimate but non-sexual touch. I think that in this culture, little boys get virtually none of that. Mm-hmm. You, uh, and this is Adam, where I'm curious to hear oh, your experience. Or, you know, and maybe dad. Maybe dad, but even, even with dad, at some point, whether it's around eight or 10 or 12, that no longer is cool. Um, and the only touch that's really available to little boys is through sports and then later sex. And so there's not any of that in-between kind of touch that is intimate, but not either aggressive or sexual. Does that ring true for you, Adam? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think back to my childhood and, you know, I'm, I'm for everything that you're saying sounds accurate from my recollection of everything. But I, I think that's possible that we just don't have that need or desire for, you know, that non-intimate touch or feel like, I don't think boys would have any interest if, even if it wasn't not cool or cool or, you know, they didn't feel well, weird. Well, our boys do. Yeah, well, yeah, like our boys are very, you know, touchy-feely, very hug, and, you know, at eight, 11, they they want hugs, they want to cuddle, they want it like with us. Yeah, they're super but I don't think when boys are with boys, there's that feel of a need. I'm curious. I, I, and I don't know the answer to this. It's something that I'm thinking a lot about now and that I want to do some research in, but I'm curious if that is actually the, the, a lack of desire on the part of boys, or if that is so inbred into our culture, our homophobia of like, you can't touch another boy. Cause that means that you're gay. Um, well, there's that whole thing yeah. about the bro hug. Like if you, you can't just be hugging yeah. your friend, it's a bro hug, right? Or, right? Like there's never just, you, you know, if you guys were ever just like embracing, that would be weird, but it's like come in for the bro hug. Am I <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, but, but I don't think I, I, I would ever have a need for anything more than that. And when I, when, when I see a friend and we get together for that quick, you know, hug, pat on the back kind of uh, pat on the back kind of thing, I'm satisfied that we made that connection. And that's mm-hmm. it. That's all I need. Mm-hmm. I don't need more. Like I, I'm not interested in anything more than that. I, I, I just think it's maybe a natural instinct that, you know, for the most part, it's, you know, boys or, you know, men just don't. And, and even going back to the point before, you know, if Danielle wants just to lay and cuddle, mm-hmm. that's almost a hard thing for me. Just, you know, I, once I get that touch or that connection, I'm ready to go all in and oh, yeah. it's almost hard. Like I, yeah. I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, look, I can't just lay here and just cuddle with you, but something in my body, just, well, something, something pops. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's, it's right away. You know, if, if she comes in for just the hug on the couch and laying, I'm ready to go. You know mm-hmm. what I'm, you know what I mean? And I'm, it's nothing that I'm thinking even, or it's nothing 
it just, it's automatic. It just happens. Yeah. So I think one thing that is very clear is that we all have a basic touch need. We all have um, a minimum touch need. If you look at babies, um, and I can't remember if we've talked about this before, but like um, when babies are born, if they don't get a certain amount of touch, they go into a condition called failure to thrive mm-hmm. where they don't I develop. Know. It's like heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that need for touch doesn't go away. What, as we get older. Quick? what was that? That. That's like you hear about these babies who are in orphanages and stuff or in the hospital, uh, you know, and it's, they don't get, it's a regular amount of physical touch, physical affection. And so they wind up having all kinds of issues. Mm-hmm. Like literally their brain connections don't develop in the way that we would expect them to. Yeah, do. that makes sense. I mean, that's, I can understand how that could happen. Right. And there's probably, and it's, is there, you you probably know the studies better than I do. Is there more saying that female babies have it more than male babies? I don't know if there's a study out there addressing that. I, I haven't um, read them that carefully, but my guess is that that would not be true. Yeah. I think babies just need a certain amount of physical touch in order to stimulate the chemicals and the neurons in their body to, to develop. Mm-hmm. As we get older, that touch need does not go away, but we don't necessarily understand it in the same way. As we get older, we just begin to think, oh, that person is needy. Or like I describe myself as a golden retriever. Like I just need all of the touch all of the time. If I'm not getting enough touch, I get really cranky. Um, and I think it is equally true for male people as it is for female people. But again, the only language that we've given to our boys and to our men are aggressive touch in sports and sex touch. So Adam, like you're describing when that touch um, get, need gets triggered in you, you, you receive a little bit of touch, that immediately snaps your system into, oh, we're getting touch now. And the way that I know how to get touch is through sex. Whereas the female language is simply because of how we have been trained. Not, I don't think it's because of anything that's different specifically in our brains, but because we have a more robust touch language for Danielle, that touch is like, oh, I really want to cuddle. I want to connect. I want to be here with my partner and and feel our togetherness. And that may in turn turn on the chemicals and bring up the sexual desire, but it may not. Can, and can I be honest, can I just um because I, I I've read a lot of this with um our community or listeners listeners too over the course of asking them so many questions. I don't even think for me, if I want to cuddle and stuff, I'll go to one of my, my kids. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know that it's about cuddling. For me, it's more of a sexual touch that shows that he wants me. So it's not as much cuddling because I can get that from other people. I can cuddle with my girlfriends. I can cuddle with my kids. For me, uh, and I think if you asked a lot of women or maybe, I don't know if it's more women who have kids and we're like being hugged and cuddled all day to the sometimes to the point ad nauseum. Yes. 
um, mm-hmm. that it's a different kind of touch that I'm almost looking for from him. It's, you know, an embrace or uh, arms around my body, you know, like while he's standing behind me or, uh, you know, just something that shows a different kind of touch than I, that I can't get anywhere else only from him. Yeah, that's more than the cuddling for me. I don't, you know, I, I, we're talking a lot about cuddling for me personally. I don't need all the cuddling with, I can get that other places. Even after sex, really, we don't cuddle unless maybe we're on vacation or something. Yeah. If we're away, that's it. Yeah. We're not, I'm sort of like, I I don't know. Like I'm good now. Let's, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that's why we're married. (laughs) The same way. That's why I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's actually pretty common is like for women, maybe, you know, we can get that from other places, but it's more of a, it's more of a, I want him to come over and touch me in a sexual way, but not expect sex throughout the day. I want those sexual touches. And then you know, maybe in a couple months. No, I'm just kidding. No, maybe in like a couple of days <laughs> or at the end of the week, we'll have sex, you know, like it's, it's yeah. more like yeah. that. So what you're talking about is intimate, sensual touch. Yes. That's not, not exactly sexual. Yeah. Yes. I don't need the cut. Like I can go to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't want to cuddle with you. I'm just saying it's not a need as much as those other touches are a need from no, but yeah. that's, I, look, I, you know, I'm not a cuddler. I'm not, that doesn't. Well, you are with our kids. Yeah. Like if I'm laying on the couch and, you know, yeah. but, but like you said, it can get to a point too. If we're mm-hmm. in like relaxed mode, I think we're pretty much very similar where it's, I want to be on my part. I yeah. need to be on your part. We're snuggling kind of together, but separate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just like enjoying our time being close to each other. <laughs> watching the same thing. If we reach out really far, we might be able to touch each other. If our our hand goes into the popcorn bowl at the same time, we have that touch. Right. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So we started this conversation talking about low libido and I brought up the difference in um, touch language because I think that that accounts for a lot of what we think of as the mismatch in libido is that women tend to be looking for that intimate, sensual touch that does not necessarily lead to sexual touch. And that is not something that we have trained our men as part of their language, as part of their touch language. Uh, and so I don't know that it's really a libido issue so much as it is a mismatch in how we think about touching. Because I, in my conversations with women, what I hear so frequently, like maybe more than anything else is, I want to be closer to him. I want to have, to be more intimate and have more, either more sex or more intimacy in general, but I need it to start with 
with touch that is does not immediately lead to sex. And that is something that I don't seem able to get from him. Well, it's so interesting because another one of the questions that I asked which I've asked in other ways before on Instagram was what is your fetish? Uh, you know, and I, I, I think you maybe read some of them or what, what is your fantasy, not your fetish or, yeah. you know, what is your fantasy? And Oh my God, it wasn't like people weren't like, Oh, I want Prince Charming to come and sweep me off. It was like, Oh no, I want to like shove some anal beads in there or like, I want, you know, him to, like there was some freaky stuff going on, which is great. So it's not, it's not even that, that women don't want, maybe we have a low libido now or some, some have a low libido now because they're not getting what they want. But if they were getting it, they want to get it's, like, they want to get it on. It's exactly. like a meme that says on a scale of cuddle to, you know, angry sex, I am everything in between. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us feel that way. We want it all. We want the, you know, the, the, such a, but we also want the, the, you know, the quote unquote freaky, even though it's not, you know, it doesn't have to, that's probably <laughs> the wrong word for it, but it's that we want, we need to get from point A to point B, mm-hmm. you know? So if we're going to get to point B, we need a lot of point A. Yeah, like one of the answers that you sent to me that is kind of heartbreakingly common, she said, my fantasy is that we have sex and there's no cleanup that I have to do. What does that mean? Like, I don't have to like wash the sheets after? Yeah, like I don't have to take care of cleaning up the sheets or taking care of the towel or or whatever. Right. I I don't know what kind of sex they're having. But I mean, if if you're um, if you are a woman who needs external lubrication, there is sometimes some cleanup or, you know, whatever. Um, And, you know, just that feeling of I want to be able to have sex and relax rather than feel like it's another thing that I have to take care of and clean up after makes it feel like another chore. And of course, you don't want to do more chores. Um, So again, I don't think that it's that women necessarily, like we have this cultural idea that women want less sex than men do. I don't think that's true at all. Right. That is not borne out. Studies done that that is absolutely not yeah. true. Yeah. And it's not at all borne out by the conversations that I have with women. What I hear instead is that I need to have some basic needs taken care of before I feel safe enough, relaxed enough, um, comfortable enough to have sex. There was this whole study done that I, I think I've spoken about in another um, episode that I've actually researched more because I think it's interesting is that women, in fact, need sex so much that in, our, in, in their 50s and 60s, they're actually turning to same-sex relationships because mm-hmm. they're going to get the kind of touch that they need to lead to that sex. And so, therefore, it's more of a, you know... Um, a sure thing that they're going to get the sex because they're going to want it because they're getting touched in the way they need to be touched to get it. That's fascinating. So yeah, I think her name is Marta Mieda. Uh, I'll look it up and I'll put it in the show notes. Okay, but she great. did all these studies about this and about how women are starting in their fifties and sixties, or if they lose their husbands later, you know, later in life, um, that, that, 
that's what they're wind, they wind up doing because it's a more fulfilling physical relationship all around. Mm-hmm. Be, not because women necessarily know how to touch other women innately. I think that that's a hilarious um, myth that is out there because every bisexual woman I know, <laughs> we're all like, we got down there the first time and we're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, how do I work it? <laughs> she was a lesbian until it was her turn to go down and then she wasn't a lesbian anymore. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like every woman's bits, every vagina, every vulva is different. They all, like, you have to sort of do trial and error on everyone. So it's not that women are somehow easier to have sex with, but again, there is that shared language of touch. Mm-hmm, right. Right. And the need, the, the kinds of touch that you need. Yeah, that we need. You guys are so complicated. <laughs> all, all your vaginas not, are different right? and need to be touched differently. No, I do agree. I think the va- vagina seems complicated. Damn right. Oh, totally it is. Hard work. Yeah, I, I think is, is like, would you say, I mean, as a like, as an actual organ, like the penis is just easier, right? So oh, the penis is way easier. You, okay. you can touch everyone the same. It's all going to work the same, no matter whose it is or what it's like or how big it is or who's whatever. Right. You know, like, I think, yeah, no. Each penis might be a little bit different in terms of like, one guy might like the shaft touched more, one might like the head touched more, one might like his balls played with, another might not. Like, everyone's going to have its own little quirks. But basically, from day to day, on any given guy, the penis works the same on any given day. Right. With women... (laughs) That shit is different every right, day. Right. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I, I think actually that you've said to me sometimes during sex, like, I'll be like, I don't like that. And you're like, well, you liked it last week. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what the hell happened? Right. Like, what? Yeah. No, seven days. God damn it. I'm a different woman now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, I was joking with my partner recently. He's like, you know, if I had blood coming out of my penis once a month, I'd be pissed off too. <laughs> it is true. It is true. Uh, yeah. Okay. So strategies for those differing libidos. Now, I mean, I hope that my, my hope is always that partners are going to listen together, but I certainly think this is a great episode to listen to with your partner uh, because I think there it's not a lost cause right at all not at all it's a question of getting on the same page and um i think that talking about it is really important like sharing with your partner these are the things that work for me and these are the things that don't work for me is really important that also is a really really scary step for people who are not used to talking about it so um and we may have talked about this the last time I was here. I don't remember, but I think that uh, actually repetition can be great. Um, That there's a game that I love called the three minute game that gets you actually into the practice of touching your partner. And it's really fast and easy. Um, And basically um, the, you do it in four, three minute segments. So you can do 12 minutes all at once, or you can do like, if you have little kids coming in and out of your room, you can do it three minutes at a time. And uh, there's a giving partner and a receiving partner. Each person gets to be in both roles twice. So the receiving partner um, lays down or gets into the receptive position and says, 
how would you like to touch me for three minutes? And the giving partner gets to touch their partner in any way that they want for three minutes and just enjoy the touch of their, just the feeling of their skin. And And this is open or you can, can you like, you know, do a, because people sometimes get embarrassed. So maybe if you have to close your eyes or keep the lights out, you can do that. You can set whatever boundaries you need to set in order to feel safe and relaxed. Mm -hmm. So if you need the lights to be out, then that, or maybe um, to, if you want to put a blindfold on, not because you want to be like, to to be um, surprised by the touch, but because you want to just take away that sense so that you're not having to think about it. it, sometimes you can feel even like shame or something with that absolutely looking yeah um another boundary that you might do is to take genitals off the table so you can touch me any way you want for three minutes but don't but we're going to keep genitals off the table like my thighs or my (laughs) (laughs) mouth so that it i know i would be like you can it's like the jerk steve martin the jerk (laughs) from here to here or here to here not so much here (laughs) well you know what if the first few times that's what you need to do in order to feel relaxed and safe part of this is creating new neural pathways for pleasure for yourself. Mm -hmm. And, um, and some of that is also creating new neural pathways of confidence for yourself. So if you can go into this practice the first time and say, okay, you are allowed to touch, you know, my boobs and my arms for three minutes. and, And that is what I'm comfortable with. And you experience your partner respecting those boundaries and really enjoying your body. Maybe next time you're going to be like, okay, maybe I will allow you to touch, you know, whatever, my thighs. Like you can build up tolerance over time by doing this and keep it in the realm of sensual touch rather than sexual touch so that you're getting that experience. Uh, Both partners are getting that experience of being able to give and receive touch without it automatically leading to sex. It builds up trust. Um, and it builds up connection. Mm-hmm. And then you, after your three minutes, you switch places. And then and it's not supposed to end in sex. I mean, it can if you want it really to. Frustrating for I don't know. Would that be frustrating for you if we were like in the back of that? I was like, okay, done. Or would you yes. like? Come on. Bye. Have, have but what have about fun. if we hadn't had sex in a really long time and this was sort of the way to build it back up? Would you be okay and, with that? Yeah. I mean, if I was, if afterwards I was like, you can go in the other room and. Right. Of course. I, yeah. I, I guess that would be. Yeah. I'd be, I think I'd be okay. Yeah. With like that. I'm just saying for a couple who maybe is building back up, which happens, yes. you, know, you know, to everybody, I think that happens from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is actually something that I give to couples who are trying to reestablish intimacy after it having been missed for a long time, whether that means months or years, even this is a great way to get couples back into the into the practice of touching each other. Um, with a couple who is already having frequent sex, but maybe you're not quite as relaxed as you want to be, or feeling quite as safe as you want to, this is also a great exercise for that. Um, so there are lots of different ways it can be used. How about, um, I'm sort of shifting gears here because we have so much to talk about, but how about, there were a lot of of answers on the, um, what what would you want more from your partner? 
a lot of the answers were orgasm. I'm not orgasming with my partner. Mm. And that's a really tough conversation, you know, uh, because I mean, for guys, I guess you kind of know, but for girls, you, you don't always know how, but you don't want to shatter your partner's, you know, uh, confidence. Mm-hmm. So how do you say to somebody, listen, I'm not having orgasms from you. We need to fix it. So that's a hard one. I mean, it, it, one question to start with is, are you faking orgasms? So your partner doesn't even know this is an issue or are you just not having orgasms and you both know that that's happening? If you're not having orgasms and your partner knows that you're not, you're starting in a somewhat better place because at least you're not having to sort through all of the um, the fear of emasculation and the fear of shame and all of that in admitting to your partner, I've been faking all this time. Um, either way, it's really important that you and your partner both know what's going on because frankly, if your partner thinks, that, and let's just make the assumption that this is a woman who is not orgasming with a male partner. If, if your guy thinks that what he's doing is getting you off, he has no reason to change it because he thinks that it's working. And meanwhile, you're laying there thinking, God, I wish he would do something different, but you're not giving him any clues about what to do because he thinks that what he's doing is working. Okay. So how do you give the clues while still keeping the confidence intact or not starting a fight or not making, or not being, you know, not having the person get angry or or upset? Well, couldn't you maybe like while you're having sex, instead of faking, which does nothing for anybody Mm -hmm. while you're having sex, just, you know, push your partner to, and say, Hey, Move your, you it's know, not always move over this way a little sounds. bit. I don't know. Look, I, I, I don't know. Right, if I'm, it's, I'm it's, trying from the male point of view here. To, right. you know, no, to, of course. Let me, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Adam, I think you're actually exactly right. It's, oh, is that <laughs> no, giving, I, I wasn't trying to say anything bad. I was just saying sometimes I think in the moment, it's not so easy to do that. I'm, tr- I'm trying to say lead, lead him as to what he could be doing to make you feel better and help you. Yeah, it's not no, I, so easy. I, I totally agree because I spent most of my life in this position of feeling not satisfied with my partners and not having any idea what to do about it, how to say anything. Uh, so I'm intimately familiar with this area. Um, what I, I would not have been able to say to a partner, I'm faking because that would have been too scary. And I probably would not have been able to say to a partner in the heat of the moment, um, could you move two inches to the left? That would have felt really scary. I think what I would have been able to do is say to my partner outside of the bedroom and people who follow me like on YouTube and, um, and anywhere know that one of my big things is you do not have these conversations in the bedroom because that is when you're at your most vulnerable. You're literally naked in all ways. So do not have these conversations in the bedroom, please. But let's say you're out for brunch or you're watching Netflix, whatever it is. And you say, you know, babe, I want to try something new. 
I've been listening to this woman's podcast. Please come listen to the podcast. Good girls talk about sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, I've been listening come to this. Woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listens to Danielle's episode. Um, I've been listening to this woman's podcast. I've been watching her on YouTube, whatever. You are a hundred percent welcome to blame it on me. Um, so I've been listening to this woman's stuff and she, she has a few games that she recommends for couples. And I wonder if you would be willing to try one of these games with me, whether it's the three minute game or the sexual scientist game, all of these are on my website. Um, and Danielle, I'll give you links to put into your show notes. Um, the sexual scientist game is one that I developed when I was, um, really starting to try to figure out my body and how it worked. I mean, I went through my sexual revolution at 42 and 43 years old. Um, I, before that, did not know what brought my body pleasure. And I'm literally still learning every day. Um, The sexual scientist game is one where I'm like, I wonder if this thing would work. I wonder if I would enjoy this thing. And so I share it with my partner and he tries it. And then because we're in the realm of exploring, he's not on the hook for getting it right the first time. And I'm able to say, ooh, that, that's kind of nice, but could you do it two inches to the left? Because I'm trying an experiment. It doesn't have all of the baggage around it that being hot and heavy in the middle of sex does. This, this is what I think is really, I love to gamify things. I want things to be fun. I want to, I want to be in that space with my partner of learning together. And the way that I know how to do that is first of all, to to address it for the first time outside of the bedroom, to figure out what we want to do together, and then to make it a game inside the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Sounds good to me. Yeah. I like games. <laughs> But I, I bring that up before because Danielle has done that with me, just kind of letting me know what feels good, what doesn't, you know, during, you know, the moment. And I, I find that I, I'm not, you know, I don't find that I'm taken back by that or, you know, I, I kind of appreciate it because I, I want her to feel good. It makes me, you know, so I, I keep doing and following, like, I don't want her to provide me with like a roadmap during sex and go here and then go here. And then, you know, that's not what I'm looking for. But if she's saying, oh, go over here, that feels really good, I'll do that. You know, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't, I'm not taken back by that. I actually think that in terms of getting instructions during sex, um, most women that I talk to are afraid of emasculating their partner by giving them instructions. That has not been my experience in talking to men. Almost every man I've talked to is like, give me more, please yeah. tell me more. It's more of our, we don't, that's a, maybe a woman thing, like a female thing that we're really worried about hurting someone's feelings. It is or, absolutely part yeah, of how no, But it's, it's always on my mind. Is she going to have an orgasm? Is she, you know, I, of course I want her to. It makes us both feel better during sex or so I, I kind of appreciate the fact that when she's kind of guiding me in the right way and show me what feels good for her and because it all feels good to me. So I don't care which way I'm poking her going. <laughs> oh, they're writing a romance novel right? about us. Actually. Isn't that sweet? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't care which way I'm poking. <laughs> That's going to be the name of our biography. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> they didn't care which way they were poking. <laughs> we 
always think that we're going to somehow hurt their feelings. Well, we were brought up for the most part. This is going to be a wildly general uh, generalization, but for the most part, as little girls, we were brought up to be agreeable, to be nurturing to whoever was... Yeah, to be good girls, to take care of people. We were not taught to stand up for ourselves, to advocate for ourselves. We were not taught to figure out. And and I think this is changing with the generation that's coming up now. But for women of our generation, Danielle, we were not taught how to ask ourselves what we want. Mm-hmm. We weren't taught that that was important. So this is a new skill that we have to develop. I think even a generation or two before us, I I remember my great aunt saying oftentimes that she only had sex with my great uncle because he needed sex. Mm -hmm. So I think even we're only talking, and you know, she's, we're talking 50 years ago, whatever that we're only changing so much in that the narrative is only changing more recently, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so if you think about the sex ed that you got, if you got any, um, boys were told that you're going to grow up and your penis is going to get hard and you're going to have wet dreams and ejaculate. Girls were told you're going to get a period and you're going to suffer. Like we were basically taught that everything to do with our body was a curse and painful. And then um, we're taught don't have sex, don't have sexual thoughts, don't, uh, you know, if you lead a boy astray, if you get pregnant, like all of the pressure and all of the, um, everything was put onto us. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly the story changes. As soon as you get married, you're responsible for taking care of your husband's sexual needs. Like nowhere in that narrative is our pleasure ever a part of the conversation. So the fact that we don't know how to ask for what we want makes all the sense in the world. It was never something that we were taught how to think about. And so now is our time. Now we get to start thinking about it. And I really, truly believe there are going to be outliers, of course. There are going to be dudes who just can't hang. But I really, truly believe that for the most part, men are more like Adam, are really wanting to hear, are wanting to know, are wanting to up their game. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I, I really do believe that. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com The whole sexual experience can't be, okay, start here and then do this. Okay, now do this. Okay, now come over here. That's not what we're looking for. So right. I, I don't, I don't want to bring that forward saying that that's something that makes us feel good and okay. That's not. So right. I just don't want to throw that, you know, lean us in the right direction, you know, every once in a while. You know, if something all of a sudden feels good, say, oh, keep doing that. Or what you just did felt good, do that again. Those kinds of things. Absolutely. And that's the kind of stuff we want to hear. Yes. 
Totally. Something that I do with my partner is um, that if it's the weekend, we'll often have sex late morning, middle of the day. And I'll, you know, and then we'll cuddle and maybe we'll nap. And then it, so it'll be a few hours before we're sort of chatting again. And at some point in the evening, I'll like, sidle up to him and sort of whisper in his ear, you know, you know, that thing you did earlier. And I'll tell him what it was. I'll be like, I really, really liked that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's like, that's hot. Right. (laughs) That is, that gets you, that gives you really good feedback about what your partner likes. It begins to build anticipation for the next time because you know that what you did worked and it's, fun (laughs) you know like it's fun to be sexy that way it connects the bedroom to the other parts of your life yeah you know where what i i think sometimes we make the mistake of keeping the bedroom we're all about oh it needs to be private and it needs to stay in the bedroom and this and that but a little bit we want that feeling of being in the bedroom we i think part of the issue is we want that a little bit i understand it can't be all the time but we certainly don't want to only feel like that in the bedroom i think a lot of the issue is we want to feel like that throughout the days throughout the weeks we want that as an uh, we want it to be fluid like not just that we're we're walking into the bedroom and all of a sudden that's the sexy part exactly when we're out of the bedroom or the wife and the mom and the we need that connection between the two worlds Mm -hmm. and i think you know i I mean i don't want to feel like a mom in the bedroom but i want to feel like a woman and uh like a you know a lover and everything outside of the bedroom yeah so yeah And I think that that sort of that non-sexual touch, the intimate touch, the sensual touch is really important in building that. And, and let me say, it's not for everybody. Not everybody needs this, but I, I am saying that a lot of the women who I work with and who I talk to do need this. And this is the like, you're both, you know, you're in the kitchen together cooking and you brush past your partner and you pat him on the butt or, you know, like it's the little touch throughout the day that keeps you connected and keeps you like, this is, this is my person. This is who I want to connect with. Yeah. And a different kind of touch than we're getting the rest of the time throughout the day. Right. Yeah. It's funny because I was listening to, what's the guy who does the five love languages? We have not done an episode on that yet, but I want to, but what's his name? Gary Coleman? Is that what it is? Oh God. I always, is that different strokes? Yeah. I, I'm feeling that. <laughs> I have to look up his name. It's Gary something. If you hadn't just asked me, I could have told you. I don't remember. I know. I know. Anyway, I was listening to him talk and he was saying, as far as the love languages goes, we were talking about. Uh, incompatible love languages. So if one of your, if one of the love languages, I need words of, what is it called? I don't even know. What is it? Words Words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. But the other person is so not comfortable with that. He's like, listen, he's like, I don't care if you walk into the kitchen and say, you know, you look beautiful and run out and then have to like go upstairs for 10 minutes. Uh-huh. Like, so maybe sometimes, you know, we, we, we expect it to be this type of situation where we're going to sit down and we're going to have this nice talk about our sex life and this and that. And in actuality, maybe that's not how it works. Maybe it's one of us 
you know, leaving the other one a note saying, by the way, I like this or, yeah. or just running into the kitchen being like, oh, by the way, you know, I want you to, you know, treat me like a, I, I don't even know. <laughs> I really want to know where the rest of that sentence was going. But that's exactly, I completely agree with you. And one of the concepts that I work with a lot is this idea of being 5% braver. So like when I was going through my sexual journey um, at age 42, I was like, I want to do all of the things. I want to have all of the experiences. I want to be all of the brave all at once. And I freaked myself out. <laughs> like it was too much. And I withdrew into my little cocoon and I got really scared and I didn't come out for weeks or a month at a time. And then over time, I would like, you know, put my little baby paw out again and I would try something. And then I would maybe overwhelm myself. And eventually I, I actually had this conversation with the woman who, who was coaching me at the time. And she said to me, instead of trying to be all of the brave all at once, why don't you try to be 5% braver today than you were a week ago? Mm. And that hit me so hard. And that's, that is really the way that I work with people is it's not about getting everything right tonight. It's not about going all in on that particular fantasy tonight. If you've been in a primarily sexless marriage, it is not about grabbing your partner and going into the bedroom and going down on them tonight. That is setting yourself up for failure because you haven't put the building blocks in place and you're going to freak yourself out and you're potentially going to end up feeling worse. Instead, like you're saying, if it takes you running into the kitchen and blurting out the thing and then running into your bedroom and like, you know, hiding under the covers for a half hour. Like I'm going to maybe try to lead you through something a little less traumatic than that. But that is what we're talking about. Small, tiny. Right. Well, everyone laughed when he said that because it was like he was alive. He was doing a, a live talk, but he was like, you're laughing. He's like, but I'm, I'm for real. Like if that's what it takes, then, yeah. that, then and that's an awesome start. Okay, so give us some examples of what 5% braver might look like for a couple who is dealing with life and just trying to get back into the swing of things. What are some 5% braver things they might do? So, um, and primarily I'm working with the female half of the couple. Um, I might suggest to her that she start with making a list of what are your priorities? Like, and where is sex falling on your priority list? Because if you're not making it a priority, it's never going to happen. So let's start with getting really clear on where you are today versus where you want to be, you know, six weeks from now. Um, and then we start looking at and what kinds of intimacy do you have in your relationship today and how can we grow those a little bit each week? If you're not having the sort of pat on the butt in the kitchen as you pass each other kind of touch, that's where I'm going to encourage you to start. 
if you are already doing that, then maybe we up the ante a little bit and, and say, well, how often are you just making out without it having to go anywhere? And is that a possibility for you? And then we talk about like, if that is a possibility, great, then let's try it. If you think that's legitimately not a possibility, either because you're not ready for it or because you think it will lead down this path, like once your partner gets a little bit of making out, they're going to want the whole enchilada, then we find another step forward. Like it's all about, there's, there is not one roadmap. Everybody has different things that they're working with, different pressure points, different pain points. Um, so it, it's going to be a little different for each person. I think for the new year, instead of saying, I want to improve my sex life, maybe it's making, putting a few things on a list that are those 5% braver things. I love that. You know, instead of saying, okay, I want us to have sex three times a week, which is maybe completely not possible. Instead, maybe saying, these are three things that might lead to sex Mm -hmm. that I really want to work on. I love that idea. Yeah. Putting yourself into positions where you're going to feel good. And because you feel good, you're going to be more interested in sex. I love that idea. Yeah. Yeah. Just seems like that's a, like you were saying, the 5% braver, just saying, I want more sex. It doesn't, we don't know what that means. Exactly. That is so important. Like you are looking at it from where you are today and saying, I want to get there, but without a, an idea of how to get there, you end up feeling like a failure when three months from now you haven't gotten there. But the reason you haven't gotten there is because you don't know how it, you're still working with the toolkit that you have right now, trying to get from A to Z. The goal is to build up little bits of skills and tools over time. And also we talk about it all the time, but your yes, no, ch- maybe checklist. If people yep. check that out, that's a really good way. Absolutely. Asked, Adam, in the questions I asked you, what, what is something that you want to do? I guess, what did, what did I ask you for us? <laughs> anyway, I forgot my own questions. What did you, what do you think? What? Oh, what would you like our sex life to, uh, what would you, I didn't even word it correctly. No. Okay, but what you wrote, I I said, what would you like more of in our sex life moving forward? I'd like more of it. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was thinking with the new year and everything, I know it sounds cliche, but we could both come up with something. Okay, so what? Listen, I'm not that complex. Right. You know, more of it. Okay. And then I I also said we've had some fun experimenting recently in the last couple of years. And I, I want to see what else there is that we could do and try. Do you have ideas of what that would be? Because no, baby, 5% steps, honey. No, I'm just, I'm trying just to, I'm trying to be, first. I'm trying for us to be a little brave so that other people who are out there listening might feel like they could be a little bit brave. So here's when I, people, oh, sorry, sorry, Adam. No, I'm sorry. Just to answer the question. No, I don't have any ideas because I didn't have any, any ideas of the things that we have tried. They just happened to come upon us somehow and- we said, okay, cool, let's do it. So, so it was here's never a fantasy. It was never anything that I was. Uh-huh. When you're looking at wanting to try some new things and you're not exactly sure what they are, here is one of the things that a 5% braver step that I love, which is looking at um, a, a website called Literotica. 
L-I-T-E-R-O-T-I-C-A, Literotica. They, they're user submitted stories. So some of them are amazing and some of them are absolutely terrible, <laughs> but they are, they cover the whole spectrum of human sexuality. I mean, there is some really off script stuff in there, some really alternative sex, but there's also some really romantic stuff, some light kinks, some heavy kinks, some like literally anything you can think of, pretty much somebody has written about it. And they're all tagged with different, uh, different words. So you can search for the things that you might be interested in, or you can just go to the tags page or the categories page and look through them and see what catches your interest and read some stories, see what yeah, gets your, what together or separate or whatever works easiest for you, whatever you feel most comfortable with. Um, if you're doing it separately, see what cranks your engine. And then, you know, when you find one that really does it, share it with your partner. If you're doing it together, then you have the opportunity to like talk and, and collaborate on what kinds of things really work for you. Um, so you can do it either way, but that's a great place to start because there's, n there's no investment. First of all, it's free. So there's literally no financial investment, but also there's no investment of your actual body in like, we're going to jump in bed and try, you know, whatever, whips and chains. You can read about it first and see what gets your motor running and then have a conversation with your partner around the story. Be like, so which pieces of this turn you on? Here are the pieces that turn me on. And then you can talk about how you, if, and how you want to put it into practice. I love it. So literatica. Literatica. Yeah. Okay. Great website. And, okay. and you will, uh, I do need to say, because some people have been surprised by this. Um, there are pictures of naked people. Like there are some ads for porn sites and stuff on there. You don't need to click on any of them. You're not going to see like full deal porn, but, but you will see some naked bodies. Bummer. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, great. Well, we'll put that in the in the show notes also. And you are going to be offering coaching. Yes. To talk about because it's a little different what you're doing now. So what I'm doing is group coaching around this 5% braver concept. It's actually called 5% braver group coaching. And I'm going to be offering um, several sections of it starting in January. And um, the, each group is very small. Each group is limited to a maximum of six people. And um, we, it goes for six weeks. We meet once a week. And then there's also a Facebook group um, so that you can get support and ideas and feedback and celebration through the course of the week. Um, and every session, each person gets one-on-one -on -one time, like laser coaching time with me to figure out like, okay, so what was your step last week? How did it go for you? And what is your 5% braver step for the coming week? Um, so really small, really, uh, I use the word intimate, which is a little bit funny. Like we all keep our clothes on. <laughs> it's not that kind of intimate. It's, you just, you get a lot of real um, focused attention. But in addition, what I've discovered is that I think group coaching is actually easier for people. 
than one-on-one coaching is because they don't have to be the sole focus Mm -hmm. of a 50, 60 minute session. They can just talk for a few minutes and then be like, okay, now I'm, you know, I'm off the hot seat. Plus it's a shared discomfort too, which is exactly you share the discomfort. And also you get to hear what everybody else in the group is talking about and working on. So you get more ideas and you also get to hear that the things that you're thinking about, or, I mean, I can't tell you how often, cause I've, I've, done a few of these before and how often one person would say something and be like, I know this is really kind of out there and weird and then say something. And then three other women in the group would be like, Oh my God, I feel the same way, but I thought I was the weird one. I didn't know. Always. I feel like that's always the, the way it happens. And now is this mostly like, how much is this involved with your partner? How much is this just for one spouse to do? Are you reporting back to your partner? What's happening? How does yeah. that so this is, um, right now I'm doing the groups with women, um, okay. with, uh, female identified people. Um, and, uh, so it is, it, it is a women's group. Um, and the amount that you interact with your partner will be entirely dependent on where you are in your journey and what you want to be working on. I mean, some people, you are welcome to do it if you're not in a relationship. Um, if you are not even dating and you want to be dating, like what kinds of confidence building do you need in order to jump back into the dating pool? That's absolutely something we can work on. Or if you are dating and you're having sex with people, but it's not satisfying sex, that's something we can work on. Or if you're in a partnership and and you want something different that that is fair game as well um i totally forgot the rest of your question what did you ask okay this is via skype zoom what what are people it's on it's via uh zoom yeah so it's all online video conference when your kids go on the bus to school and if you're home or for a little bit or anything and you exactly yeah privately and so what i'm doing is each of so i've got four groups set up um, and each one is at a different time of day so that hopefully it will cover people in various time zones. And, you know, maybe some people will want to do it, like you said, when their kids are at school, other people will want to do it after bedtime, cool. whatever works. Hopefully you'll find it's less expensive than one-on-one. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Leah. Do you have any other questions or anything? Else? I do not have any other questions. <laughs> I plenty. Oh, listening in. Okay. I mean, my, what do you mean listening in? My biggest, well, I was listening a lot because I, I don't know that all vaginas are different and you have to treat them all <laughs> independently and do different things to each one. So I learned a lot today. Oh, cool. All right, good. I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Leah. Leah it's always great. great. And again. everyone can find, I know you're, you changed your Instagram handle. It's now Good Girls Talk. Good girls talk exactly. Girls talk yep. and your is your website still the same? My website is still leahcarry.com. Um, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube are now Good Girls Talk, cool. and um, the podcast is Good Girls Talk About Sex. Mm-hmm. And if you want to register for the Five uh, Percent Braver Work uh, Group Coaching, rather, um, that is at leahcarry.com forward slash brave. Um, And that registration is going to be only open 
to Marriage and Martinis listeners for the next two weeks. Get out of town. So you get first <laughs> you get first dibs on those spots, but only for two weeks. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. I think that's all. I'm, I'm excited for people to do it. I think it's great. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for coming on again, and we will have you again for sure. Awesome. Thank yeah, you so I much. Have notes here, so we'll have to come back and do this again. You're welcome to talk about Well, no, it's a question. It would be a conversation starter, so I don't want oh, to get okay. to the whole. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly do we'll it We'll do it again. soon. Absolutely. Love to. I love All talking right. to the two of yeah. you. You're the best. Oh, oh, <laughs> we love you. All right. Well, you have a good night. You too. Take care. Yeah. All right. Bye, Leah. Bye.